1: In episode three hundred and twenty three of Real Life Ghost Stories and I have three spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from november thirteenth, twenty twenty three, and story number one comes from Live. Last night I had a medium party. A bit like a Tupperware party but with spirits. With three friends and since waking this morning I feel like I wanted to share my little story. Just a trigger warning miscarriage will be mentioned. I've always erred on the more spiritual side of life. I'd like to think that those we have lost still walk with us or check in every now and again. And I've always had an interest in the clairvoyant and mediumship. Some months ago, my friend who attends a local spiritualist church said that this couple, Sue and Mark, had visited and were amazing. The lady, Sue, was a normal medium, if that's how you describe them, hearing and seeing spirits, but Mark does spiritual drawings. So yesterday when they arrived, they set up at my kitchen table, and one by one we went and sat with them for about 45 minutes each, give or take. Now I will say, as much as I am interested in this area of spiritualism, whenever I have spoken to mediums or had a tarot read, I've always come away thinking, mm, that was just generic. Generic like the information I was told could be for anyone. So whilst I wouldn't say I went into my little kitchen sceptically, I was definitely unsure and a bit nervous. When I sat down, Mark was already scribbling away and Sue asked me to shuffle the soul cards to be used later. Initially, she described a man that I can only assume was my granddad Jack who died when I was a teenager. She described a man in a World War II uniform who liked everything neat. She said she saw a garden where even the flowers stood to attention. One of my memories of my granddad is being in his flower-filled garden, but again, that's fairly generic. She then asked about my miscarriage. She told me there was a little girl with me aged around two or three years old, and she was happy and excited to be here. In December 2020, I found out I was pregnant after thinking I was infertile for many years. This baby was my little miracle, the surprise I never thought would come and I had never been happier. Our nickname for it was Blueberry. In January I started spotting and knew in my heart it was over. I went for a scan to be told that my 10 plus 6 week old baby only measured at 8 weeks and there was no heartbeat or blood flow. I was heartbroken. I felt stupid for talking every day to this little joy who just wasn't there anymore and I had effectively become a tomb for my baby. The devastation I was left with has never gone. Even so long down the road, it still feels like last week. I can't describe the feeling of relief I felt when Sue told me my little blueberry was with me. Something just went, and I just felt at peace. She went on to say that this little girl was showing her another baby girl, and how excited she was to become a big sister. My partner and I are currently going through fertility treatments which have been pretty unsuccessful but who knows maybe there's something on the way. She went on to talk about other things my life and work. She asked if I was considering a career in nursing. I told her that I'm already a nurse and my reading was predominantly based around my healing soul. She said they put wings on me and said that I'm an earth angel. She said a few other things that I could match up to my life and told me my granddad, who was a bit of a drinker, had taken his flask out and said cheers to you and that he was very proud of me. All whilst this reading was taking place, Mark was sat in the corner, scribbling away, and at the end of the reading he gave me his drawing. "'I've always been told by mediums that I have an elderly woman with me. "'Has your mum or grandma passed?' they'd ask. "'Nope, still in the land of the living.' I've never really been able to place who this woman would be. My great-grandmothers died when I was very young. I would visit them but didn't have much memory of them, so it couldn't possibly be them. And why would they be with me? However, when I looked at this drawing, there was my grandma Hymer. I'm getting that she's on your dad's side or there's a male connection, he said. She was Grandad Jack's, my mum's dad. She was his mother. When I left my kitchen, I sent a photo of the drawing to both my mum and my aunt, who both said, that's Grandma Hymer, without any prompting. I've attached a photo of her and the drawing because I think it's just bloody uncanny. I'd never had any experience of spiritual drawing, but I have to say I'm pretty shocked and amazed. I'll wrap up my story now. While some of the information was a bit broad, it's nice to know that my family are with me and my little blueberry is buzzing around. I think you have to take what you want out of these things. There's no point if you're not open. However, I am definitely less open to the answer of, oh yes, to my oh-so-stupid, is-anything-in-my-home question. I am not ashamed to say that as a 33-year-old woman, I slept with my light on. So Liv has very kindly given me permission to post the pictures of her Grandma Hymer on social media. So I'll post a side-by-side of the picture that was drawn by the medium and the picture that she sent me of Grandma Hymer herself. And I have to say, it's pretty uncanny. Like, you can't help but be impressed by the similarities, for sure. I do kind of like the sound of a medium party, you know? And regardless of what, you know, people's beliefs are about mediums, etc. I know that I've said before, I find that some mediums are potentially not tapping into anything psychic but rather making broad statements and making a lot of money out of it but in this instance I mean there's a lot of specific stuff that that went on here a lot of specific stuff that was said and also Liv like you said you gained something from it you know that miscarriage was obviously incredibly traumatic for you And it's obviously brought great comfort to be able to know that this little girl is there looking out for you, that your granddads are there looking out for you, that your great grandmother is there looking out for you. And then to also have it physically drawn for you as well. I mean, that's pretty impressive. But I would absolutely be sleeping with the light on as well. If somebody told me, oh, yes, there is something, something terrifying in your house. Yeah, I'd be sleeping with the light on too. And I say that as if I don't sleep with the light on every single night because I am a 34-year-old, very proud owner of a nightlight. And story number two comes from Noelle. I hadn't felt the need to share my story until recently I heard one of the hosts on a completely unrelated podcast exclaim, if ghosts were real, why don't you hear stories from places like hospitals? You'd think that those places were lousy with ghosts. And I instantly was indignant and shouting at my phone, because hospitals are definitely one of the more spooky, haunted places I can think of. And this man has obviously never had someone in his life who has worked at a hospital that shared their story. I'm pretty sure that anyone who has worked at a hospital for any length of time has their own experience of something strange or spooky, if not outright paranormal. In the early 2000s, I worked as a nursing assistant in a rehabilitation hospital, Almost all of the patients on the ward that I worked on were elderly or on hospice and needed more supportive care than their living situation could provide. The ward had four main halls, each with a daily rotating team of nurses and CNAs attending to patients. We'd have our hall assigned on ward duty shift handoffs. During shift handoffs we would get the details of the patients on our assigned halls any special needs, changes in treatment plans, new patients, or patients that had left us either by going home or going home. My very favourite patient, far and away, was B. B was a firecracker of an older lady. She had box dyed, vibrant red hair, always in a bouffant beehive. She dressed daily in neat tracksuits and embroidered sweatpants paired with those baby animal graphic tees, wore jewellery daily and always had her nails freshly painted and lipstick applied. All things that were unique and set her apart from the vast majority of patients. During transport in a wheelchair, she would beep beep and bop people in the back of the knee with her walking cane if they didn't get out of our way as quick as she would like. In short, B was one of a kind and absolutely unforgettable, both in personality and appearance, in a sea of grey and sickly elderly folks who rarely wore more than hospital gowns and slippers and pyjama bottoms. We weren't supposed to, but I did angle my way onto getting assigned B's hallway as often as possible, because I genuinely enjoyed her company. After a couple of years working at the hospital, I'd gone on a nearly two week vacation, and told B that I would be back soon and tell her about all my escapades. We often gossiped about the shenanigans I got up to as a young woman in my early twenties with little to no responsibilities. I had a wonderful vacation and came back refreshed and ready for work. My first handoff back from vacation I had decided that I would do whatever I could to get assigned to B's hall. At the conclusion of handoff with no mention of B I I asked if she was still on Hall C and if so i would really like to be assigned hall c that day my supervisor apologized and said she had forgot that i had been gone for so long and let me know that sadly b had passed away a full week before i was genuinely sad but working in a hospital setting with the elderly it is not altogether unexpected i pulled myself together and threw myself into the morning tasks Later that day, I had been unable to take a single break until lunchtime and was absolutely bursting. As I hurried to the break room to use the restroom and snag some food, I saw B sitting in her wheelchair and waiting in the doorway of the patient dining hall, awaiting for transport back to her room. She looked directly at me with a look of recognition, smiled, winked and waved her arm in a special B way, I brightened, waved back to her and thought, Oh, I'll have to stop by B's room after shift and catch up with her. I can't stop now. And I was simultaneously happy to see B, and absolutely enraged that my supervisor would have gotten patients mixed up and thought B had passed when she had not, or even worse, maliciously tell me my favourite patient had passed as a cruel joke. Either way, I was pretty heated. And when I ran into my supervisor not three minutes later... I gave her a piece of my mind. How upset I was that she would tell me that B had died, and that was careless and cruel. My supervisor finally stopped me mid rant and asked what on earth I was talking about, because B had most definitely passed away. She attended to B's body herself and had made the calls to her family. I absolutely insisted that I had seen B. I had. I know I had. I saw her as real and solid as any other patient, and I had interacted with her. My supervisor and I circled back to the dining hall and did quick rounds through all the halls to identify whomever I had mistaken for B. Of course, there was absolutely nobody even remotely matching B's description and clothing. I don't have a great resolution to this story. Other than, even though I am sceptical by nature, I am absolutely sure that I saw B wave goodbye to me that day there are some other strange and unexplained things that happened at that hospital but this is the first and by far the most dramatic experience that i had there i do think it's very human to have favorites and i also think that it's a little bit impossible not to have favorites sometimes when you're working in a situation like that with lots of people and i think it's so compelling that when you saw b when you came back after hearing the news that she had passed away you saw her in her wheelchair waving to you that you immediately thought, oh my god, she's not passed away. She hasn't died. This person has either gotten it wrong somehow and told me really upsetting news or they've played some sort of weird prank. So of course, I can understand your absolute anger and rage at this person. But also, like, B wasn't misty. You know, she wasn't Sort of see through or ethereal. It was just she was just there. She was just there, as a fully full bodied human person, and it does sound like she came back to say goodbye to you, to wave goodbye because you guys had had this obviously very special bond, and unfortunately you had gone on holidays at that point in time when she passed away. Maybe she was like, "I need to say goodbye to Noel before I go to wherever it is I'm going." which obviously for that period of time for you must have been like shocking and traumatizing because you are told she's dead then you think she's alive you get angry at your supervisor you're informed that no actually she is dead and then you have to try and make sense of what it is that you actually saw and all the different possibilities but I do think there's also a certain beauty and a comfort in it too.
0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
1: and story number three comes from tatiana this story takes place at my parents house and it actually started when i was a baby my grandma on my mom's side and my grandpa on my dad's side had both died in 1991 literally almost a month apart my grandpa died on february the 25th of 1991 and my grandma died easter of 1991 my parents were married in may of 1991 i was born on february the 20th 1996 and i remember vividly to this day and swore and gotten in arguments with my parents that my grandma and my grandpa both held me as a baby and i described them to a T. To what they looked like. And I had never really seen pictures of them. So when my mom was showing me her photo album I saw my grandma and I went that's the lady that held me as a baby. My mom had said there was no way because she had died before I was even born. And I said well I was held by her. So you're wrong. I just remember arguing with her and crying because I knew what I was talking about. And the same thing happened with my dad's dad. He had shown me a picture of him and my grandpa together and I said that's the man that held me and my dad and I got into an argument and my mom told him to let it go so my dad did. After that there were a few other times when I had pointed out pictures of relatives that I had never met and I had known who they were and I would said that I would seen them before. My next story continues on even to this day at my mom's house. My cousin, who is like my brother, has lived at my house basically since I was born. I had always talked about the shadow man. All I saw was this black shadow that would stand about 6 foot 5. He was taller than my dad who was 6 foot 3. And I would see him stand mainly in my doorway. After my brother and I had come to my mom multiple times scared of the shadow man, she had finally relented And told us about how when my mom and dad both moved into the house, the lights would turn off, and some stuff would be moved around. Nothing harmful had ever happened, and she had mentioned that it would be around the middle of the night. She didn't know what time, but she would wake up and feel like somebody was watching her in the doorway. She said every hair on her body would stand on end, and she would try and wake my dad, but my dad would see nothing. My mom would just look at it and would say, but it's right there, Dale. And the shadow man became a part of our lives, mainly in my doorway at night or he would play funny tricks on my brother and I or even my parents. Like if my brother got really mouthy with my mom and dad and he would take a shower, sometimes the bathroom lights would just shut off or his shower would just go completely cold, even if he had just gotten in it. And as soon as he would say, okay, I'm sorry, it would change. Or maybe I would refuse to do laundry one day. And my dad and I watched a stick of deodorant come off my dresser and fly across my room and hit my wall and break. At that point, I knew that this thing did not like attitude. He had always been there and had always stood in my doorway ever since I'd noticed him, which was since I was about three or four years old. Like I said, he never actually did anything to actually harm us. He was just there. It was kind of creepy. I got brave one night and thought I would shut my door and I told the shadow to leave me alone. I was tired of it standing in my doorway. Did I learn my lesson that night? When he was standing over my bed looking at me and I could see that there were no eyes. It was just a black shadow of smoke. It scared me so bad that to this day I struggle with sleeping with the door closed, with my husband, and boy does he get mad, especially when the air conditioner is on in our room. There is another story that you guys had talked about, which was the Banshee. I, like you, do not believe in it. I think as you guys had talked about, it got thrown into a folklore of a scary story, or a thought of what somebody will go through in their mourning. I have Irish on both of my parents' side, along with Scottish, and my grandma firmly, and I mean firmly, believed in the Banshee. She had talked about the night that my grandpa died, that the night before he had his heart attack, she had heard a wailing scream that continued on and on and on, and she knew at that point something was going to happen. Well, that next day, after hearing what she calls the Banshee, She had called my dad and told him about it and he talked about how there are foxes where my grandma lived and that one of them or multiple of them could have been screaming. It was that time of year and you would hear them a lot and she said no no it was a banshee and something is going to happen. As my dad is telling my mom this story that his mom had just called about, a crow hit the window in the living room and died. My dad went out to see what it was and it was a crow and it was no longer alive. On my mom's side of the family they have always believed that if a bird hits your window someone is going to die within the next day or two. The next morning my grandma called my dad and told him that his dad had died of a heart attack. So on my grandma's side and on my mom's side something similar or in the same frame of reference of a banshee is believed. My dad's side believes in the banshee and my mom's side believes in a bird hitting the window. I think it's just coincidence. I'm a very strong believer in God and I feel that when it's your time to go, it is your time to go and you have no choice. But on the day that my dad died, i had experienced a whole new different type of outlook. Not a banshee wailing within the night or a crow hitting the window, I experienced watching my dad's soul literally leaving his body. My dad had pulmonary fibrosis and there was nothing they could do. In 2020, we also think that he was one of the first few cases of COVID, but they were not testing at that time. When my dad was taking his final breath, I saw an orb fly out of his mouth and watched it swirl around the room and swirl around my mom like it was hugging her goodbye. And then I watched it do it to my brother and I. I remember running out of the room after seeing it disappear and going into my dad's room thinking that he was still there. I've always been a firm believer that there are things in this world that you cannot explain. And those things that I've talked to you about today are things that I can't explain. I do have one more story and it's a quick one. When I came out as Christian, my brother the next day tried to one-up me and became a Wiccan who believes in witchcraft and dark magic and all that. My dad did not care, neither did my mom, and the only rule was that neither of us were to fight about our religions, and my brother with his witchcraft was not allowed to bring a Ouija board into the house ever. My parents believed in God, and they had always been told that these things were portals to hell. Well, my brother decided that he didn't care what my parents said, and he was going to do it no matter what, because he was older than me by three years. Him and his friend one night brought a Ouija board into the house. My brother and his friend welcomed something into our house. Something that I can only describe as a demon. It was not like the Shadow Man where you could distinctly see his body and he had no eyes. He never did any harm to us, like I said. He played tricks on us or basically got on us about our attitudes. This thing did not care. It would destroy things in our house. It would throw things. And you could distinctly feel the evil when you would walk in through the door. It never came in my room, but it went into my brother's room. And I'd like to believe at the time when I had just become a fresh new Christian, I had an iPod and I was listening to some of the music that I had just started liking that was Christian music or worship music, as people would call it. And that thing never stepped foot in my room. It was never in my doorway, nothing. At this time I did not realise the power of prayer or that you could cast things out. I was 13. I was learning. And whether you're religious or not and you believe me, that's up to you, no judgement here. I just know that it never stepped foot in my room. When I was out of my room it was free game. There were incidents that happened where I was clawed so bad on my back that it was bleeding and my mom actually took me to the emergency room and the doctor was baffled, had no clue. My brother was more tormented than I ever knew. He told me just recently in the past couple of years about some of the stuff he went through. When my dad had an experience with the thing, as we like to call it, that was no longer our friendly shadow, he flipped his lid. He went straight into my brother's room, and I just remember him saying, where is the Ouija board? My brother produced it out from under his bed, and my dad said, You need to close it up. Whatever you need to say goodbye, you need to close it up. My brother apparently started talking to our evil demon in the house, and he finally said goodbye on the board. My dad took that board with a pair of tongs and would not touch it with his bare hands. He took it out back to our burn pile and set it on fire. And my dad had told me the whole time that that thing was burning you could hear it screaming. I don't remember hearing it, I just remember hearing a bit of the argument and going back to sleep. At this point my dad had called his brother-in-law who was a pastor and had him come over and bless our house and had a long conversation with my brother about playing with things of the evil as he called it. After that day my brother gave up witchcraft because what he had gone through. I don't know if he would be okay with me sharing what he went through and if he is I will gladly email you but those are some of the things that went on in the early years of my life. I'm now 27, and I am married, and I have two godsons that are 17 and 16, and we have had some weird things happen at our apartment, but nothing like I'd ever experienced at my house as a child. With my dad now gone, my mom still thinks about how she sees a shadow every now and then, and even me and my brother have seen it every now and again when we have gone over. We've seen it in the corner. My mom also likes to believe that my dad is there because my dad's urn likes to randomly move. It will move from different bedrooms and it's a heavy urn so the likelihood of one of the dogs or the cats moving it is a little weird. My mom lives alone so we have no clue as she's hardly ever home, being an STNA. Mom either sums it up as the shadow man is trying to give her comfort or my dad is trying to give her some sense of peace letting her know that he is always with her. Tatiana I hate to be the one to break it to you but you were a freaky kid. You were that kid who was like dead relatives are coming to me and holding me and you know being around and looking after me and your mom and dad were probably like oh god she's talking about our dead relatives again. Also your shadow man sounds really interesting. I know that I I slag off the shadow man a lot for standing and watching people sleep. You know what I mean? Like get 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 better things to do. But it does sound like your shadow man I don't know maybe maybe it was a past relative or whatever especially in relation to the fact that it used to kick off when when you and your brother had attitude with your parents you know it was like absolutely not if you're gonna have an attitude I'm gonna kick off and to me that feels much more intentional than a normal shadow man you know like I said shadow man has a tendency to just stand around and freak people out but this feels like somebody being like absolutely not no way and in regards to the Banshee, look, I, you know, there's there's lots of things I don't believe in, but the Banshee is one of the things that I do believe in, <laughs> which I know always makes people go, sorry, you're not really a believer, but you believe in the Banshee? Uh, yeah, I I do. And I'm somebody who has heard foxes crying, and it's a very distinctive sound. It's a scary sound, we don't know what it is, but it is a very distinctive sound. And I think it's very interesting that your grandmother heard the Banshee cry, rang your dad and said somebody's gonna die i heard the banshee and then as per your mother's family folklore a crow flew into the window and died there's a lot of links between the banshee and birds as well and obviously i'm really sorry that you lost your dad that must have been really really difficult to deal with and probably still is really difficult to deal with and it must have been such a shock to see this orb leaving your dad's body but I do wonder if you're maybe more sensitive to these things, considering that you're you were the one in the family that sort of saw relatives that had passed on, etc., when you were a child. So maybe that was why you were the one that witnessed your dad's soul, as you called it, leaving his body. I also I love the fact that as somebody with two older brothers, that your brother when you when you were like, I am a Christian, your brother was like, Well, I am Wiccan. And do you think he did it just to sort of to be like the different older brother you know because you had embraced christianity i wonder if he was like well if she's embracing christianity i'm going to do sort of what is perceived to be the opposite and obviously in this instance bringing a ouija board into the house did not work out very well at all and good on your dad for taking that ouija board and just setting it on fire because that felt like the only logical thing to do thank you so much for listening to today's episode thank you to live noel and tatiana for sending in your stories remember the last story came from november the thirteenth, twenty twenty-three. And if you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast.gmail.com. You can also check out the website dot reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And if you are desperate for some extra content, you can subscribe to the Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash reallifeghoststories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content, as well as every single main and mini episode completely ad-free. And on that note, I shall see you next time.